All right, everybody. Welcome back to our study of the Exodus. Today, we come to the moment of total freedom. Uh, previously, they had been freed from slavery in Egypt, and now for a few days in their calendar, they have been journeying to the Red Sea free from slavery. But there's a big difference between freedom from slavery and freedom from even the threat of ever returning again to slavery out with their own choice. And if you've never experienced the difference between those two, it is extremely significant. So they have been free from slavery, but today they're going to be free from even the threat of returning to slavery unless they want to. Okay, so basically we, we have come to the Red Sea. And we're going to talk about going through the Red Sea, one of the most incredible, most remembered miracles in the, all of the Bible. In case you missed last week, we talked about the journey to the sea and how there's two possible locations that could possibly fit the story of the Bible. And so uh, here's some pictures just from last week so you can remember. There's that little map of the two places on the Gulf of Aqaba. Uh, again, if you missed that, you can go back and listen to that message. But the two locations would be, first of all, the one on the left is Nueva Beach, and that's partway down the Gulf of Aqaba, and they would have gone through down this wadi to a trapped but huge significant location where they couldn't go north, they couldn't go south, they, the, the sea was on one side, and then here comes the Egyptians trapping them in on the other side. So that's one possible location, and there's more reasons why it's a possible location, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The other one is the Tiran Strait, which is at the very bottom, um, and you would have had God's people going down and, and camping at a specific spot. Then they couldn't go any more north. They couldn't go inland. They could—they're trapped. Okay, and the the army there after them. The main thing that I want to make sure that you remember last week is how precise God was at where He was directing them. He had a extremely specific place in mind. And so, um, let me just read from Exodus chapter fourteen, verse two, and just notice how precise God is being says, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihahiroth, between Migdol and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. That is as precise a directive to a campsite as you will find anywhere in all of the Bible, right? Like, it is exactly specific. God is leading them to a place that he has very much in mind. It, this, is not, this is not like some random moment. Like, okay, they had just found themselves at the shore of the Red Sea and trapped, and now God was going to lead them out. No, God had a very exact spot to hold that thought as we read the rest of the story and as we, we look at what's happened here. I'm going to pick up reading from uh, verse 9 of Exodus chapter 14, which is the last verse we read last week. I'll, I'll reread that one verse, and then we'll, we'll go on from, from there. I'll make some notes along the way, but um, we'll start in verse 9. The Egyptians, verse 9, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside Pihaharoth in front of Baal Zaphon. So they're there. They're in that spot, the spot that God specifically had them to go to. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were so happy about it. No. Ter terrified. 
they were terrified and cried out to Yahweh for help. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. I'm sure that's exactly what he was telling them. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I just want to make a comment here about fear. And being terrified. I want to make a comment about turning against God. When you don't realize how incredible that moment you might be in is. If we don't trust the goodness of God in our times of stress, if we don't trust the goodness of times in our, in our times of, of fear, and in this case when they're terrified, then we're going to grumble. We're going to grumble and we're going to complain potentially at the very exact moment where God has perfectly set you up to see some of his most significant work and leadership and freedom in your life. Trusting God means trusting him expectantly when you're afraid. When you're in crisis. Not turning against him. Later the psalm writer of whoever wrote Psalm 106. He writes about this moment and he says. Our ancestors in Egypt did not grasp the significance they did not grasp the significance of your wondrous works, referring to this, like the plagues and things like that, or remember your many acts of faithful love. They, they didn't grasp that. Instead, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea, which is what we're looking at right now. They rebelled. Yet, he saved them for his name's sake to make his power known. They turned against God at the very moment that they really needed his help. Maybe someone needed to hear that because these are rough days that we've been in. And maybe in these rough days you've been grumbling and maybe you put God on the shelf. Maybe you've just been like, okay, God, I, this is too hard and I, I can't deal with you right now. I can't get my hope up in any way. I, 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 stop. Remember, God's faithful love to you throughout all of your life, throughout, throughout all of these years. And trust his goodness for you today. Even if you can't see it yet. Trust that God has goodness for you. That's free. Let's just keep reading. Uh, picking up in verse 13. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. And these are words that we would speak to one another whenever we hear that someone's afraid or feel like their life's crumbling. Don't be afraid. What else does he say? He says, stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. These are great words to speak into one another's life. Stand, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see Yahweh's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Yahweh will fight for you and you must be quiet. Yahweh said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, God speaking of himself, I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. Oh, good idea. Uh, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the I am. I am Yahweh. When I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. 
Then the angel of God who was going in front of the Israelite forces moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was a cloud and darkness. It lit up the night and neither group came near the other all night long. Okay, just a reminder. God rescues. Yes, we're going to talk about that. But he is also able to protect you as long as it takes before his rescue is fully received. It, it, would be, it looks very, it seems, like, it seems like it's too late for God's rescue. The army is here. The enemy army is here. We are trapped. They are right now, right here. And yet, God doesn't think it's too late, even though it looks too late. Even though the sea is not yet opened yet. He is able to protect you as long as it takes. Now, this miracle here, this idea of this wall of fire, this pillar of cloud and fire behind you, this would rank up as one of the, the most amazing miracles in all the Bible, but it's kind of a footnote here in light of what's happening. But, you know, on any other day, yeah, 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 we were walking along, and then there was this, like, pillar of fire protecting us from all our enemies. Yeah, that, would, that, 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 would make, that would make the headline, right? That would be part of a big day. But this is a small thing here, which is amazing. Uh, let's, let's keep reading. So God's protecting them overnight while all this, while the sea is happening. Uh, verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Yahweh drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So that the waters, so the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with waters, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. Okay, this is an incredible miracle. This is an incredible miracle. Notice the Bible is clear that a significant aspect of this working of the miracle is a strong east wind. Like the Bible is so clear that, that the wind is playing a big role. There had to be more than just the wind probably, unless there's something else that we don't know. I mean, how fierce of wind are we talking about that can divide the Red Sea? You're talking, it's got to be some sort of super, super tornado hurricane thing from the east blasting in their faces while they're crossing the sea, right? It, something so powerful, a wind so powerful it's able to push back the water. Yeah, I mean... These people, they're going to have to walk forward through it, right, as the wind is in their face. How powerful is it going to take for a wind from the east to part the sea? Uh, it, it probably, God is a little bit more at work. I mean, just, just depending on how deep we're going here, it's probably going to blow them back through the, the, the wall of fire and maybe off the peninsula, right? It's just we're trying, the force of, of the wind that it would take j just that. God is definitely at work as well. Uh, do you ever think of the severity of the storm involved here? I don't. I, I just think of it as, it's a bright, sunny, happy day. I mean, there's a bad army there, but, you know, there's a wall of fire between us. And, and, or even that it just kind of quickly happened. No, it, it's like this all-night storm, as the Bible describes of it. Um, in, in, the Psalm, in Psalm 77, we, we read a little bit more about the storm that is going on all night long. It, it, it says, the clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. 
Your arrows, you know, lightning, thunder, they, they, they flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, which is why I mentioned tornado or hurricane kind of, kind of force things. The, the sound of the thunder was in the whirlwind. Light, uh, lightning lit up the world. I mean, just a severe, intense storm going on. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water. Sometimes... The worst storms of your life are God's way of leading you to his better future for you. And we just get caught up, this is an awful storm. But sometimes God uses the most intense, powerful storms of our lives to open up his way to our better future. To the future that he has for us. Keep reading. The Egyptians set out in pursuit. All Pharaoh's horses... His chariots, which means the 600 and all the rest. Uh, the, the, the chariots were divided. Where am I at? Chariots and his horsemen. And went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, Yahweh looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud. And threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve. And made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said. Because Yahweh is fighting for them against Egypt. Then, Yah then Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, Yahweh threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on gr dry ground, with waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day, Yahweh saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power of, that Yahweh used against the Egyptians, the people feared Yahweh and believed in him and in his servant Moses. Wow. 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 That, that's pretty much all I have to say. It's the right response to a moment like this. Wow, God. Amazing. Do you mind if I look at the crossing for just a moment? The, the crossing site again? We've talked about two locations where this could be taking place. I will tell you which one I believe and why because I cannot conceal it from my words and my thoughts. But my opinion doesn't matter on this one at all. All that matters is where it, that it happened where it happened. Um, so my opinion, don't give it any credit. Just like I give your opinion no credit. Okay. So we're, we're, on, the same, we're on the same team here. Okay. It, it could be either. It could be either. Okay. So the first one we talked about was with Nueva Beach. Nueva Beach. And here's the picture of Nueva Beach crossing site from Google Earth. It is 16 kilometers across, and it can be crossed in the right time span. Uh, one of the challenges of crossing the sea is that in most places in the Red Sea, the, the slopes down are too steep, and, and you wouldn't be able to navigate down and then over and then up. It's just too deep, too, too deep and too steep. Specifically, the steepness is the problem. One of the cool things, or the two cool things about this particular crossing site is it's not as deep as most of the Red Sea. 
It's, it's a little bit more shallow, not, not totally, totally shallow, but oh, quite a bit less shallow, or more shallow. Uh, it's more shallow. Um, and also the slopes at this particular point are more gentle and actually um, journeyable. Here's a picture combining Google Earth and the underwater depth readings. You can see that there's a deeper bit to the south and there's a deeper bit to the north. It does kind of come up a little bit there. You can see the trajectory of the underwater slope is much more gradual with that red line, that, that sideline. Uh, it goes to a depth of 875 meters at that shallower bit there, which is 2,870 feet or so, which is more than a half mile deep. More than a half mile deep. So you would, but it's gradual. So over that 16 kilometers, the nation would go down. Now, okay, it would have been a bit steeper because, you know, three and a half thousand years ago, less silt built up, but all fine. No, no challenge here. Totally fine. It would go, they would go down uh, and then back up. A, a little over half mile down, a little over half mile back up. The whole nation could do this. Children, animals. And uh, you're like, well, that's quite a hike. It's amazing how much energy you have when you have an army chasing you. So I think it's going to be okay. I, th I, th I think there is doable. But one of the things that is challenging is there's no way that wind alone can push back a half mile deep of sea. Over a half mile deep of sea. With that kind of wind force would have blown the nation off the planet, right? It's just it, it, they couldn't have walked forward through the sea with, with this happening. Uh, they would say, some people would say, okay, well, the, mostly the wind was about drying. Well, the Bible's clear that the wind is having a part of, of, this, of this miracle. Now, what I want to say about Nueva Beach, it is one of the most explored crossing locations. If you've ever heard stories or seen pictures kind of like this one, you'll see people like seeing uh, pictures of, you know, hey, I think we've seen a chariot wheel or a, or a piece of, of chariot encrusted by coral and... And, you know, they've been investigating this location for a long time. Now, a note on this, like, chariot thoughts or whatever. I've seen some pretty convincing pictures, and maybe you have too, where the coral looks a lot like it could be a chariot wheel. Or a, a picture where it could be a chariot... Mm, chariot. <laughs> a chariot, a chariot uh, shield front piece or whatever. Uh, I was surprised to learn, though, uh, that not one single piece of coral has ever been tested. And nothing's been brought up. It's a protected area, but it's also never been protected. Um, just keep that picture in mind. Although it's, although it's, you see he's got a metal detector there, just kind of keep that in mind. Although it's exciting, it seems pretty impossible that a, uh, that a chariot would have lasted through the coralification process. I, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. The, the coral, coronation. No, coral, coral, I don't know. This is what a chariot would have looked like back then in the 13th dynasty. That's it. They are made to be as light and fast as possible. Zero metal. It's wood and leather. That is it. As light as possible. Five dynasties later, you'll start to get heavier chariots that remind us a little bit more of the Roman chariots, more shield-like frontings and, and metal in order to reinforce it because they're getting heavier and solid. The metal detector guy, there's no metal. There's no metal on these, these old things. Um, I mean, giving them maybe a nail. I, I don't know. I, they're, but there's, they're basically just wood and le leather. These things do not sink. They float. They're just wood and leather. They're just floating. They, 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 they're going to float away. Uh, if somehow it had sunk for some reason, somehow, it's just, there's just not enough to it. It's not going to last through the 
choral vacation process, <laughs> right? or however you say that. Uh, uh, yeah, and especially you have the water rushing back, half mile high wall, water violently coming back together. Who knows where this stuff would have ended up. Probably my, my, my most disappointing aspect of this research and study. It, I was really hoping for good stuff there when it came to chariots. I like the idea of chariot bits being discovered, and th yet there's no metal, so you're not going to find it with metal detectors, and the wood was not going to last in the salt water. But that's the Nueva, Nueva Beach crossing. That's where the most investigation is happening. Easily it could have been this location, but personally I prefer the other location because of the geography, because of the geography there. Now again, before I show you this, just because I like the other one, it doesn't matter. And just because, yeah, and whatever you think doesn't matter. <laughs> it's going to be what it is. Okay? Let's start with the Google Earth top view of this other one. This is called the Tiran Strait Crossing, and I'm just wondering if you can just see it before I say anything. There is an underwater land bridge that you can't see from the shore, but you can see from satellites, airplanes, or helicopters, which they wouldn't have had. Just throwing that out there. They did not have that. Okay? You can see this underwater land bridge there that no one knew was there. If you don't have a satellite, you can't see anything. Here's another angle from Google Earth. You can see that the sea under the water is raised up here with this kind of land bridge, this land bridge bit, mostly being much less than 50 meters deep, uh, 150 feet deep. Yeah, that's way, way, way more shallow than 2,000, whatever, 870 feet of the other crossing. A low tide plus an east wind could pretty much expose this, this mo the vast majority of this, this area, th this crossing. Peeled back the sea under that. Now, now also a note there, it seems that the island, which you can kind of see on the upper right bit, that three and a half thousand years ago, that was probably connected to the mainland. If not, the pathway is 16 kilometers, just the same as the other one. If that island was, and they just have to get to the island, five kilometers. Much, much shorter. Much, 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 much shallower, shallower at this, at this little bit. Here is a picture of someone standing on the reef at low tide, people standing on the reef at low tide. It's not, and now, okay, the sea is six feet higher, okay, in general, but like, uh, low tide high, it's, it's, it's just this big four kilometer wide pathway uh, underneath the, the sea. Uh, still, just getting, getting a sense of this. Here's the topological information, and, and you can just see it, right? It just the, the blue colors. It just goes up, it, deep on the north, deep on the south, and then it just comes up. And you've got this, this bit where this, this uh, yeah, there, there is a bit you can see on the map of the blood. It does dip at the beginning, shallow down to about 250, 300 meters, about 900 feet or so, and then back up. To, to just be flat for the rest of the way at that crossing. Again, even at that depth, it is, you know, 900 feet is way, 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 way easier than 2,870 feet of the other location. You know, it, it, see, see, it looks like this secret underwater land bridge. The Bible might write about this. The Bible might refer to this I don't usually quote from the New Living Translation because it's less word-for-word -word translation and it's more thought-for-thought. 
But there's this verse in Psalm 77 where the Hebrew words are not understood. We don't know the Hebrew word, what they mean. And so word for word doesn't help us because we don't know what the word means. Instead, we kind of have to go thought by thought at the end of this verse. And this is what we read about the crossing of the Red Sea from Psalm 77, 19. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. A pathway no one knew was there. That could be referring to either locations, as God just parted them up, but it definitely fits shockingly well with that, that southern one. I, I look at the geography of this, of, of Tiran Strait and this underwater pathway, four kilometers wide, gently sloping down and back up for the first two kilometers and just flat the rest of the way. I see God being very clear, sending his people to a very, very, very specific spot where he has a plan for a, a miracle that he's going to do. I see the wind very much able to clear off this underwater um, play with, with a bit of supernatural aid. I mean, I'm, I'm not taking, I'm not reducing the miracle at all. I think this is all a pretty incredible moment. This is my favorite crossing spot, but who cares? That's, that's, that's the other option. We don't get a vote. Where it happened, it happened. So, we're moving on. <laughs> What's the spiritual lesson for today? What's the spiritual lesson for today? In this story, God has led his people to an exact location. That is, that's very important that they camp at. A very specific place. And then he uses a powerful storm to reveal the pathway to freedom, a pathway to their future, a, a pathway that no one knew was there. But it was there. It was always there. God could always see it. He knew the pathway for it was there. They couldn't see it. They thought they were trapped. But God saw exactly what was going on. The lesson for today depends on where you are in this story. There's one person, there's one type of person who ha hasn't gone to the campsite that God's directed you to. You've just not followed God and you're off track. You didn't trust God to follow him. Maybe you've put God on the shelf for this last season and you're like, you know what, I'll navigate myself through this this storm of life through this COVID era or, or whatever, or I've never wanted to fall. I never, I'm not trying to follow God with my life in my decisions or whatever. Just put God on the shelf. And, and you're, you've not ended up at the campsite that God has set up your future to start from kind of a thing. You, you're, ju you're, just, you're just on your own way. And for you, you need to get, you need to get back on God's track for your life. And, and you're like, but God's track doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it just seems awful. It's going to lead me to a dead end. There's no, that just seems like an awful plan, says you. But the thing is, God has a plan for you. He, he's, he's not leading you to a dead end that he's not going to get you out of. But you've got to trust him, and you've got to follow him where, where he's leading to you. But anyways, there's, there's, that one, there's that one type of person who's just not following God, and God's, God's word, and, and, and that that message to us today is, okay, get to the campsite. Get back on God's track. Return to the place where God is calling us to go. Person number one. Secondly, some of you have been following God and you're now at the campsite, but you are terrified. You're afraid when you're looking at life. You are afraid. You are very, very, very afraid. The sea is on one side. 
There's no way out to the north and the south. The army of doom has has come and, and you can't go out that way. And on top of that, you're in one of the most fierce, violent storms that you've ever seen in your life. And, and everywhere you look, up, down, sides, everything looks, looks, uh, looks terrifying. You're, you're feeling battered by this tornado of life. What is, what is the words for, for you if you're there where God has led you, but you're stuck and you're surrounded and you see no way out and the storm is battering against you? The words to you are this. Basically straight from what Moses tells the people. Stand firm. Stand firm and watch the salvation of the Lord. That's what Moses tells the people in, in his time. Stand firm and watch the salvation of the Lord. If you are where God has led you, you can trust him, even in the storm. God uses powerful storms and awful moments to open up the hidden paths to your futures. God uses powerful storms and awful moments to open up the hidden paths to your wonderful futures. If you've been following God, but you have been thrashed by the storm, stand strong. Keep praying. Keep believing. God will make a way for you. In fact, if you're watching online, you can truth type, God will make a way for me. Exclamation, 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 happy face emoji, fire emoji, water emoji, Separated by land emoji, by water emoji, whatever. God will make a way for you. God will make a way for you. Third, third type of person, some of you, um, you, you have been standing there, and all of a sudden now you see the path forward. But it, it's going to take some faith to step out on that path. I mean, the water walls are kind of up there. How long are they going to last? It doesn't look like the safest, easiest thing that you've ever done. You've got to climb down here, then you've got to climb up. And, you know, how long, how long is this going to go? Remember, the Egyptians aren't going to make through it in time. They're, they're, not everybody's going to make it through it in time. If God has opened up the path to your future, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't hold back. If he's opened up the path forward, take it and walk into your freedom and your future with faith. This is what the book of Hebrews says about the crossing of the Red Sea. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 29, we read, By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. If God has opened your path forward, trust Him. Walk it in faith, believing, trusting Him. Remember, God has this hidden pathway prepared for them before the foundation of the world. He, he, Exodus was always known. Their, their awful slavery was awful, always known. Their path to freedom was always mapped out. Nothing in your life, good or bad, has not been known by God from the beginning. From the beginning of time. And he has always had a plan and a path forward for you from here. He has always had a plan and a path forward for you. You might not be able to see it. That doesn't matter. It's there. You've got to trust him. He has both the path for you and the power to reveal it so that you can walk it. But you've got to walk it in faith. And you've got to be strong 
and courageous and not give way to fear, not give way to anxiety at any point along the way, whether at the beginning I am fearful about trusting God's direction to go to this campsite. Don't let fear drive your life. Or at the campsite, the storm is going in and I'm stuck. Don't let fear cripple you. Moving forward, the path opens, but there's water on each side. And how long is that going to be open? Don't let fear keep you from moving forward. You have to walk and live by faith. Strong and courageous. What a great God we have. What great hope we have as we set our lives to follow him in every season of life, whether it's good or bad or or whatever. God can always be trusted. Here's the, here's the uh, challenge for today. And it's kind of a challenge based on where you're at. So although the words are going to be vague, um, I hope that you understand exactly what you need to do. For, assess where you are and take your next step. That's the challenge. Assess where you are. Not at the campsite. I got to get to the campsite. I need, I'm at the campsite. I'm in a storm. I need, I need, I, 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 the hidden path is open in front of me. Uh, and then take your next step. Either get back on track with God, stand strong in faith, trusting that God's hidden path will open and that it's there, or walking forward in faith. Where are you at and what, and what, is, it, what is your spiritual application for you today? Spirit of God, uh, you are the teacher. You are the one who, who speaks and is, is very specific with our next steps. And God, I just pray that every single person here, every person listening now or any time in the future will all know exactly what you're calling them to do. But for all of us, God, I just pray that fear would, would be non, a non-factor of, of our lives following you. That we would not submit to fear and instead we would choose to be courageous and trust in you. And God, it's, 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 it's easy to be afraid when we can't see the path forward. Or when we can't see how perfectly you've set things up for, for our salvation and deliverance. Open our eyes to see and marvel in the wonderful things that you've set up and that you're doing. And lead us forward. We trust you. Help us to trust you. Now maybe some of you are like, I am not at the campsite. I have not been trying to follow God. And you either need to rededicate your life to following God again. Or maybe you're like, I've never set out to follow God, and you need to, and you're like, but today I know, I, I need to follow God, and I need to trust Him. I suggest praying something like this, God, I will follow you. I, I will follow Jesus, I will follow Jesus now for the rest of my life. I will trust you even when it doesn't make sense to me, and I will trust you to rescue me out of all my fears. I ask for your forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. My life from here forward is dedicated to following you and to living in your ways. I believe in Jesus' name. Amen.